Greetings ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this batch video of one-shots taken from the HUPI subreddit. The links to the originals will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do so, please consider subscribing, because for those that don't, you will be visited later on by a biomass-eating cloud of sentient nanites. Story number one. Offspring, written by Algie Father Anthracite. Mankind had finally got into space. Not just the moon or Mars, but space. Beyond the heliosphere, deep space. They had developed FTL travel and soared into the universe. After centuries, mankind was reaching out to find out if they could be truly alone in the galaxy. They stopped at all the local spots. Alpha Century, Bernard Star, Wolf 359. There were planets and asteroid belts with microbes plenty. On a planet orbiting Ross 248, they found a wonderful low-gravity jungle world, where the trees were nearly a thousand feet tall, and the plants had leaves as big as houses. They flew ever farther into space, desolate rocks, scrubby deserts, ice balls, and oceans. Every possible morphology of the planet was found. Plants and animals from a beautiful to nightmarish were catalogued, Every planet within a thousand light-years of Earth was visited, explored, and indexed. It sprung up on many, some became vacation worlds, where thousand-foot-tall trees held lines and repelling ropes. Others became mining outposts, providing the raw materials needed to expand mankind's foothold into the galaxy. Where once man had waged wars, now there was peace. There was no sense of fighting over land or resources, when the galaxy had hundreds of worlds waiting to be populated and countless more waiting to be farmed or mined for gas or ore. DL travel became trivially common, as did FDL communication. The introduction of auto factories and nanotech saw the end of scarcity in the Terran Alliance. Once things had been programmed into the computer, it could be replicated anywhere mankind traveled. Whole ships could be built, atom by atom if necessary, using microscopic robots. Energy was abundant once planetary core tap technology was perfected. For thousands of years, mankind spread out across every system to learn, to harvest, to live. Science was able to truly advance, as niche fields were able to perform research without having to get sponsorship from a college or a government. Artists no longer had to struggle to make their art, as supplies and tools were readily and freely available. Culture explored every widening facet of human nature. It was a golden age of mankind. Art, entertainment, scientific discoveries, education were all available to anyone interested. But for all the advances that mankind had made, there was still something that was missing. Still, we were alone. Life abounded in the universe, but so far none of it had been intelligent. Finally, we decided that we would raise up our oldest companions to join us as Sophons. We began to raise more intelligent breeds of animals. Not just cats and dogs, but chimps and cephalopods. Others were attempted, but those four seemed to bear the most fruit. Octopuses were given the ability to survive out of water for longer periods of time, though they were clearly more comfortable in it. Many were excellent technicians, as their problem-solving abilities were only enhanced by the genetic manipulations. Chimps became adept at many of the same things as humans, though they generally had a knack of arts over science. Cats were excellent teachers, and many pursued philosophy. Dogs were, as always, the greatest accomplishment of mankind, 
Though they still walked on all fours, their front paws now ended in a short fingers and thumb, and when sitting, they were able to manipulate things just like a human. They never were really good at one thing. Like humans, they had a wide variety of interests. They also loved us. The dogs were constant companions to humans. Unlike cats or chimps, who usually only went to space when they had to, or octos who preferred it due to the resemblance to underwater environments. Dogs generally did what their packs did. Miners, artists, spacers, dogs did it all. Humans lived with octos, cats, dogs, and chimps as equals. With the advent of the offspring races, mankind changed. No longer was a family the basic unit of humanity. Now a collective of up to five species was the order of the day. A pack or a clan, family or a hunt. It didn't matter what you called it. Some were composed of only the offspring races. Cats and octos tended to form a single race collective the majority of the time, while dogs and chimps tended to belong to mixed groups. Although none was exclusionary, humans happily cohabited with all of the offspring races. On many of the more developed worlds, it was common to see homes built that had features such as house tanks for octos, as well as ropes and platforms for chimps and cats. Dogs, unsurprisingly, required no such adjustments to a home, but furniture became more interesting. The fire races spread across even more of the galaxy. Everywhere they went, they went together. The offspring races were masters of their own fates as much as humans were. They sometimes struck out on their own, always contributing their findings to the collective store of knowledge. When cats found a water world, they would let the octo friends know. When dogs discovered a jungle world, the chimps were invited to emigrate. As time went on, the achievements of mankind dwindled. Soon the five races were achieving great things. New fields of science were discovered, new forms of art made possible by new technologies. No one really noticed when it started, but at some point, humans started to dwindle. Not due to disease or war, or for any one particular reason. Over the course of thousands of years, their numbers fell, and after spreading the five races across the entire galactic arm, the human race was dying out. One day, there was only a single human left, an elderly woman named Santha. She was close to 240 years old when she died. She was surrounded by a family. She had gone to Earth when she turned 230, wanting to live out her last days in the cradle planet of mankind. She had a clan that consisted of three dogs, two cats, an octo, and a chimp. They were themselves over a hundred years old. Shortly before she died, she called them over and said, I am so proud to have had you all as my family. My children, remember the history of my kind, the good and the bad. Remember that your differences make you stronger together than you will be apart. Remember that when we found no one amongst the stars, we pulled you along, so we would not be alone. Remember that, and if you ever find anyone out there, remember us to them, and be their friends. It's terrible to be alone, and mankind has you all to thank for keeping us, being the company that we so desperately needed. I love you all. Santa closed her eyes a short time later, and never opened them again. Nearly 2,000 years later, the five races made contact with the first intelligent life not from Earth. They resemble giant koalas with panda bear coloring. When introducing themselves, the dog, cat, chimp, and octo representatives met with the Jellak envoy. They had sorted out the language barrier and made friendly contact, and the Jellak finally asked, 
When will I meet the representative of the fifth race? The dog ambassador replied, We are all representatives of the fifth race, sir. They searched for others in their share of the galaxy with. Then, when they found no one, they raised us up to stand beside them. They are gone now, but each of us carry them in our hearts. They wished for us to deliver a message to you, if we ever found you. What message is that? asked the envoy. You are not alone. End of story number one. Story number two. Anniversary, written by Solomon Kane 2814 I remember when I was a young man. I learned to Collins, Alden, and Armstrong. Of course, I wasn't a young man when it happened. That was long before my time, but my grandfather had a recording of the launch. So if you saw a recording, why do you act like it's so pivotal, Grandpa? Because it was. Their captured 35mm film was one of the most important moments in human history, Winter. It was that important to you, still his child. There, etched on the silver halide, was a record of one of the most consequential events in history. Three impossibly brave or foolish men climbed into a rocket, strapped themselves into place, and rode a controlled explosion out of the Mother Earth's protective veil. And they just went from Earth to Luna. That's nothing special. Not anymore, it's not. But it was the first expedition of its type. And stop interrupting me. All right, just get to the point. Jesus, you're a little crap. Just like your mother. Anyway, where was I? The controlled explosion out of the veil. Right. Those three brave souls rode through the pure black nothing of space like a very, very few had done before. They landed upon the face of a god, and after landing in the sea of tranquility, after the whole giant leap before mankind, Aldrin and Armstrong read a plaque out loud, for every single person to hear. What did they say? Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969. We came in peace for all of mankind. The young ones might not be able to fully understand, and I know I can't articulate my feelings exactly, but then and there was a true realization of human potential winter, brilliance and bravery, compassion and awe. I was humbled by what our fragile race had wrought, and I had to know that I'll live long enough to feel that way again. Winter wiped a tear from her eye. The old man still had a soul of a poet sometimes. That's beautiful, Grandpa. I have to go to work with my dissertation, but I'll be back next week. Maybe you can tell me about the curiosity then. I'd love to, young lady. But before you go, have you seen my wife anywhere? I don't know where she is. I haven't, but I'll tell Grandma that you're looking for her if I do. Love you, Grandpa. Winter walked into the hall, pouncing slightly into the lunar gravity. Beverly was waiting for her at the reception desk, playing Tetris on her data pad. She looked up and walked out with Winter towards the exit. How was he today? Worse, he doesn't remember where he is, and I don't think he remembers that Grandma died six years ago. What did you talk about then? The Apollo 11 mission. He remembered that pretty well. Really? How has that even come up? Bev, it's the 125th anniversary of the launch today. End of story number two. Story number three. 
Meaningful Names Written by Short Roach Hello, welcome to Earth, I gotta say. What's with the heavy abestus suits? Oh, I'm from the planet you people call Magma. Your planet is bitter cold to me, and if the suit didn't keep me warm, I'd quickly become a grisly statue. A statue? My body chemistry is very similar to some of your rocks. My internal temperature is about 850 of your, um, C. So, the temperature of magma. Got it. Yes. Very few of my kind come here without sufficient protections. We like to say that they died so that we might learn. That's a pretty grisly way to learn. It's not so different from one of your own things. Learn from the mistakes of others. Well, I hope you enjoy your stay. I will. Thank you. Hmm. A planet of molten rock people. And the linguistics decided to call it magma. Huh. Hello. Welcome to Earth. Okay, this may sound weird, but that suit you're wearing looks like a walking fridge. It's putting off heat like a fridge, too. Are you hot? Oh, no, no. I'm fine. I'm just that my body chemistry is all blown melting point and water. In fact, my bones are made out of the same water ice that you drink. Really? So you have to walk around in a refrigerated suit to avoid melting? Oh, yes. So what brings you to Earth? Besides the symposium on the interspecies social adaptation, not much, really. Um, although I, I do hope that I visit the polar regions once before I leave. I understand that they're a tad wet warm, but I might get out with a cumbersome suit for a few hours before I go back to the ship. So, uh, what would you do if you got out of that suit? Why, I would melt in the extreme heat of yours, of course. Literally melt, melt into a bottle of formerly sapient liquid, yes. I'd mean my death. It's already happened to many of my kind who came here earlier. Yeah. Okay, ouch. I do hope that you have a good trip. By the way, what's your world called anyway? You lack the mouth parts to throat structure to pronounce my world unrecognizably, but your kind always calls its world ice. Figures, thanks, and enjoy. I will. Hello, welcome to Earth. Yes, thank you. It's good to be here. So, uh, what brings you to Earth? I was informed that the society is a very rich social structure, and I wish to experience it for myself. Makes sense. I hope I'm not prying, but why are you in a pirated suit? My kind is extremely fragile. At least compared to yours. In my world, I am something of an athlete. But if I got jostled by your crowds, I would probably break every bone in my body and rupture most of my organs. I guess there's no surviving that. No, of course not. And who would want to? If I survive such an encounter, it'd be in terrible pain for the rest of my life. Has this happened before? Oh, dozens of times. First of us to visit your world was either killed outright or crippled for life. But we've learned and now we take precautions. And so you all wear that padding? Yes! Okay, that makes sense. Here, let me step out of your way for a minute and call you a private car so that you can avoid the push of the taxi stand. I would be so grateful, thank you! Oh, out of curiosity, what do we call your world? Your linguistics decided to name our world Glass. Why? Just the pattern I'm starting to recognize with these names. 
That's all. I hope you have a good trip. Hello, welcome to Earth. Hello! Isn't this wonderful? I am one of the very first in my world to step onto yours. I'm so excited. I heard wonderful things about your oceans. Yeah, swimming, sailing, surfing, scuba. Lots to do in the water. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, uh, by the way, you said one of the very first, right? Oh, yes. Your linguistics and ours just got smooth automatic interactions translations working. And I was one of the only 16 to drawing to come to your world when the first ship. Yes, that's a great and congratulations on your luck. By the way, what do you linguistics say we should call your world? I believe they say that we should call it soup. Yeah, um, let's talk about maybe you not taking a dip in the water. Please come with me. End of story. End of the dispatch video. If you wish to support the author or the channel, all the relevant links are down below. But the easiest way would be to share this video far and wide to as many unsuspecting people as possible. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good time, and I'll see you then. Cheers.